0: Welcome to Real Testaments. the message is shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you as you listen. Today, we are resuming our series on finance, um, like we did last year. It's titled The Prodigal and His Money. Amen. And in the next four weeks, four Sundays, and some Wednesday services are, are, you know, together with it, we're going to be looking at money issues. Amen? Amen. Talk to your neighbor and say, Pastor wants, Pastor wants to be talking about money issues. Okay, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor that it's time for poverty to get out of the window. No more lack. Amen. Amen. The series is built on a story in Luke chapter 15 of a man who had two sons. The Bible says it was a parable that Jesus gave. You know, Jesus taught in parables. Parables are stories uh, that were created to explain certain principles and bring the message home. And so Jesus chose that method in most of his teachings. You will see a lot of parables. And so Jesus gave this parable that this man had two sons. And he was a wealthy man, and so he had two sons and as a custom is, after some time supposed to uh, when the man passes away, the children inherit his property. I mean we in Africa, we in this part of the world, we still practice that. Am I right you know and so um, and you also know that it was supposed to be a taboo for you to share your property before you were gone and so this man 's second son was so impatient, and he came to the father and said. Please, I know I can't wait for you to die. But that's the implication. I can't wait for you to die. Please, I need my share of the property now. You know, and the kind of father that he was, if he was me, I would have cast him away. But I didn't know why the man didn't cast him away. So the man shared his property. And so this guy, his son, was from the beginning a blessed guy. Had a lot of resources. And then the Bible recorded that he went away and squandered it because he was not prepared for the blessing. He wasn't prepared. He didn't know what we want to learn today. And in, it, was so, it became so broke that he was fighting with, with the pigs for food. You know how dirty and filthy pigs eat. Now imagine a man who is fighting with pigs for food. He has to go into their pen. He has to fall on the floor. He has to. It was, it was that bad. I don't think anybody can be so poor as to be fighting with pigs for food. He was that bad until one day. Turn to your neighbor and say, until one day. Until one day, until one day he came up to him. The Bible says he came to himself. There was a change of thinking. And he began to think, he said, ah, ah, where i am coming from? Things are not this bad. And he then realized that he could go back and start afresh with his father, ask for forgiveness, and see whether he could recover himself. And the Bible recorded that he went... And his father accepted him. And he recovered himself. And was reinstated to a position of prince and splendor and prosperity. So in his story, we see that somebody can have a lot and then lose it at some point. We also see that somebody can be at the lowest ever and then rise to the top. Amen? Amen. And I believe today that what God is going to use this series to do for us is to take us from where we are now. We should be the lowest we can ever be. Why do I think so? The Bible says the light of the righteous shines what? Brighter, brighter and brighter. That means it is not in the plan of God for my tomorrow to my today. So I can only... Today cannot be the worst ever of my life. I must move forward. Not only am I going to move forward in spiritual things... I should also move forward in material things. It's in the plan of God, and that's what we're going to say. So this whole series is built on that story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so today, we're going to take it in bits, one one topic after the other, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, and, and Sunday, and when we just keep going. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's go to the key scripture I want us to use today in Job chapter 36, verse 11. Job 36, verse 11. Now, see what the word of God says. He says, if they obey and serve him, they spend their days in what? In what? And their years in what? Hmm. Two powerful words. Two powerful words. Who are these people he's talking about? His children, his people. He said, if they obey and serve him, then the automatic thing that would happen, they don't need to pray about it, is that they will spend, what, their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. That means that prosperity and pleasure were not the tools of the devil. It's God's idea. I'll show you another one in Psalms chapter 112. Hallelujah. It's important that we start from the basics. Because what you think about prosperity and poverty, it's very important. It affects you. That's why till today, if you meet a rich man and you meet a poor man, you will see that the way they think is different. Hallelujah. They think differently. And if you want to live the life of the rich, you have to learn to think like one. And of course, there is a thought that makes a man become poor. Hallelujah! Now look at what the Bible says from verse 1. He said, praise ye the Lord. When you say praise, when you say praise the Lord, means that you, you are happy. Amen? You are happy. There's, something is exciting you. And he says, praise ye the Lord. Then he says, blessed is the man that feared the Lord. The same kind of people he was talking about before. Remember? In Job. He said, blessed is the man that feared the Lord. That delighted greatly in his commandment. Oh, let's go a little back on Job. You no, know, give the scripture here. You know, you know, Job was a very wealthy guy. In his day, he was the richest man in the east. So when a man that wealthy will say, if they will serve the Lord, they will spend their days in worth, Prosperity and their years in pleasure. Then he must know what he's talking about. Hallelujah. He must know what he's talking about. So that's the kind of guy I want to listen to. Okay, okay. so here he says, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Whose seed shall be mighty? The man that does what? Fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord does not mean when you hear the name of the Lord, you run away. It means who observes the Lord, who respects the Lord, who serves the Lord, who calls upon the name of the Lord, who has a relationship with God. And that's a Christian. He said his seed, shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Look at verse 3. Hey, guys. He says what? Wealth, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Two different guys. And David was another guy that was stupendously rich. Very wealthy guy. And I guess it was after all that that he wrote this. He says, wealth and what riches, shall be where? In the bank? No, in the house of the uprights. I like that. Hallelujah. And so today, we will lay the foundation for this series today. I'll be focusing on the purpose of wealth. Are you with me? Please, I need you to write everything that you can write. The purpose of wealth. Now, let me say this to you. Some people get very upset when you talk about money, especially in church. And I'll tell you why. They get so upset when you talk about money, when you talk about prosperity, when you talk about blessings and increase. They get so upset. They feel that in church, the only thing that you should talk about is holiness. And there's nothing wrong with that. They think that in church, you should talk about sin. Why people should not sin. Rebuke those those who sin. And talk about heaven. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the reason why they think that is so, is because of what they have seen money do. The presence and absence of money has done horrible things in different generations. And you don't need to look very far to find them. You see them everywhere. And unfortunately, people who hate money never have it. People who hate prosperity. You, you, imagine the story. Oh, oh, my God. We, read, we, just read this, we just read scriptures from two wealthy guys. What did they say about prosperity? They said, blessed is the man of the Lord he would what? Enjoy prosperity. In fact, the other one, David started by saying, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. As if he just found it out. Poor people don't do that. When you mention money, they cringe. They are upset. They are angry. Why? They have seen what money, presence of or the absence of money. With that way, has been a source of misery and pain. People have killed for money. People have lied for money. People have betrayed loyal friends for money. In our world today, in this part of Africa, People have even sacrificed their loved ones for money. To make money has become the biggest motivation for a lot of people. So much that the moment things begin to be hard, like it is in our country today, then they, you start hearing a lot of ritual killings everywhere. A man would get up and think that to get money is to kill another man. And they do all sorts of things. To get what? Money. Money. To get wealth. Some people think that if I can only but just get this amount of money now, my life will change forever. But unfortunately, it is not so. And the painful part of it is that even among Christians, money has become the biggest motivation. Today, we have issues where we find it very hard to get people to be committed, to be loyal, to be faithful. But imagine if there was money. Oh, let me tell you. Imagine if, for instance, I said to you, and you know it is true, that tomorrow, that next week Sunday, by eight o'clock, everybody that comes to church by eight will get one million naira. What do you think is going to happen? Did I hear somebody say they will sleep here? One million naira. One. Just one million. But the things that God gives to us every day we come in here is more than one million. Rich people know that one million is a small money. Hallelujah. So, But you see the motivation. Most of the things that we struggle to get people to do, if there was money attached, becomes easy. That's because money is the God that a lot of people serve. So that's why it's important to to start from the purpose of wealth. Let's get it right from the beginning. Guess what I found out? God has no problem releasing resources to you. It is you who have a problem. You're not ready. It is a good will of the Father for you to have the kingdom. Does God use money? Yes, he does. But it doesn't mean that he puts it in his pocket. I'll soon show you how God uses money. He said a cattle on a thousand mine. The earth is the Lord's and work, the fullness thereof. Yet, he doesn't eat cattle. He doesn't spend money directly. It's for you and I. He said, the riches of the Gentiles will come to the righteous. It's for you and I. He said, I will give you the hidden treasures of darkness. I mean, those things that men have not found, that I will release it to you. Hallelujah. But do you know why we are not manifesting all of that? Galatians chapter four verse one. He said, "They heard, as long as he's a child is not different from a servant, though he be Lord of all." So we need to prove to God that we are ready for the resources, and one way to be ready is to understand the purpose of money, the purpose of wealth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you with me today? And so Some people feel it is wrong to talk about money and prosperity. And in fact, in this day, you feel so ashamed when you see on social media and some other places what Christians and churches and people have done because of money. And at times, you miss the good old days. The good old days where Christians didn't think about money. All they thought about was what? Heaven. But that was a wrong way to respond to the issue. Because in those days, they felt and thought. And in some, some, some congregations still do that today. That the poorer you are, the closer to God you are. When you can't afford to feed yourself and feed your family. That's a Christian. That's a child of God. But in trying to bring our people out of that mindset, some of us have gone to the other extreme. So much that money is now the God. Every day, people make choices. And they choose money ahead of God. But it's important for us, therefore, to know what is the issue. In Luke chapter 18, I saw a story of a rich man who came to Jesus. And like everybody who comes to Jesus, he wanted to become like Jesus. He wanted to follow him. And Jesus Christ put him for a trust and said, go and keep all the commandments and then you would enter the kingdom of God. He said, oh, I have kept all of that from my youth. And then Jesus said, okay, one more thing you need to do. Give up. He didn't say sell. He said, give up all that you have. So not to people that can pay you back, to the poor who cannot pay you. Come and follow me. And the Bible said his countenance fell. Because he was a very rich man. But what he forgot was that intangible wealth is more important than the tangible wealth. A really wealthy man, you can take everything he has and he will still be wealthy. Because what produces wealth is in the inside. The man was attached to the blessings. He didn't know the secret of the blessing. Jesus was saying to him, "Intangible wealth is more important." That's why he said to the disciples, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." In fact, in that same place, he now said, "It will be it will be easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God." Ah, the disciples, Peter and Paul, all of them say, "Hey, what are they?" He now came and say, "Ah, Jesus, what of us who left our wives, our houses, our relatives to follow you?" He said, what will happen to us? He said, Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that will leave father, mother, houses, and business to follow me that will not in this life have a manifold return. That means the wealth is not for heaven, it is here. Hallelujah. So I think it is important for us to understand why, therefore, is God so interested. In money, and why has he in some cases won us against it? Let me show you some scriptures in James chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. The real problem is not money. All these things that were all the fightings, all the war, the real problem is not money because money is not bad. The Bible says money answereth all things. Amen. Money answereth all things, the money is a defense. Hallelujah, and also wisdom is a different. But here we see what the Bible says. It says, "From where comes worse and what five things among you come they not hence even of your lusts?" ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. So the problem is not money; It's lust that were in your body, in your members, in your heart. He says, "You lust and have not; you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain." Is that not what we are seeing now? Hmm. He said, you fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. Hmm. Okay? You ask, and then you don't receive. Why? He said, because you ask amiss. To do what? To consume it upon your loss. So the real problem is not money, but the love for money. Will you write it down? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, hear what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verse 10, mm, it talks about the love of money. He says, for the love of money is what? The root of all evil. You see? So money is not the problem. It is the love for money. When money is the priority for you, when money is more important than worship, when money is more important than commitment, when money is more important than loyalty, if you can sell your loyalty... Someone says to you, leave this your friend. Leave this relationship. Come over here and I will pay you this amount of money. And you leave it. The place that you have invested and others have invested in you. What are you doing? You are selling your loyalty for money. This is the love of money. See what he says here. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. He says, which while some coveted after. So the problem is covetousness. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So the problem is not money. It's the love of money. It's the covetousness. And that's what God warns us against in many places. Not to be covetous. Hallelujah. Let's get to the root of the matter because time is flying. Why then does God want us to have wealth? Why is God interested in our prosperity? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Let's see that scripture together. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. See what God says. Hallelujah. Can we read this together? One, two, go. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get what? Wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which is sworn well unto thy fathers. As it is this day, let's read the first sentence together again. Thou shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get. Ha! He said, "It is God that gives you the power, the ability, the enablement to get wealth." Why? Don't forget, my title today is what? The purpose of what? Wealth. Why? Why is God so interested in us getting wealth? Because I found that it is at God's best interest for us to be wealthy. And I'll give you six reasons today and I'll take my seat. Reason number one. Hmm. Wealth is an expression of the goodness of God. Wealth. Riches, prosperity is an expression of the goodness of God. Psalm 35, verse 27. Hallelujah. There is nothing that can display or explain the goodness of God. Modern wealth. Prosperity. Abundance. Look at what he says. He says, let them shout for joy and be glad at favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. Let the Lord, what? Be magnified. Which did what? Has pleasure. <laughs> huh. This reminds me of what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, uh, I think verse 8. Where he says, be careful for nothing. You know, in, in the King James Version, when he says, cast your cares unto the Lord, for he careth for you. The Amplified Version says, he cares for you passionately, and dutifully. God is more interested in your prosperity than you are. Wealth is an expression of the goodness of God. He takes delight when you are doing well. So he has no problem giving you money. In fact, Jesus Christ said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 6, he said, your Heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. He says, You have need. He he knows you have need of these things. He delights in your prosperity, in your display of wealth. It makes God happy when He looks at you and He sees that you have no lack. Like Paul would say, You come behind in no gift. Hallelujah. Amen. It gives God delight when He looks at you and sees that money is not a problem. You have all that you want, all that you need. You don't need to have headache on what to eat, what to wear, what to drive, where to stay. It makes God happy. See, it's important for us to have the right mindset about these things. Because the devil has sold a lot of lies to Christians. He shows us people that are wealthy that have used their wealth to oppress others. Now, oppressing others is not just uh, the way you say, oh, they oppress us with this your fine shoe. No, not that one. I'm talking about those who who will pervert justice because they have money. Hallelujah. Praise God. God. Nothing shows that God is good more than prosperity. And I took time yesterday to look at everybody who walked with God. None of them ended up poor. I looked at David. I looked at Isaac. I looked at Abraham. All of them. All of them were stupendously wealthy. They had resources. They had money. They had wealth. Hallelujah. Why? You cannot say God is good. Jesus Christ says something in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief cometh not to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said, but I have come that you may have what? Life and have it worth in abundance. Not in scarcity. It is not God's will for us to scratch the ground to find what to eat. I have not seen anywhere where God has stored poverty. I have not seen one. And that's why God doesn't make people poor. Hallelujah. You see, when you have the right mindset about prosperity, it becomes easier for you to work in it. It's God's will for you to have wealth. That's what a good book says. How can you say God is good? There's nothing to show for it. How can you say God is good? Except for material things to show physically, not just that by faith. We know by faith that it is there. But when you have the physical evidence, it makes it easier for other people to see and understand and believe. Am I right? Yes. That's how it is. Nothing expresses the goodness of God more than wealth. I'll give you reason number two. The purpose of wealth. Hallelujah. So when God said he will bless, he blessed Abraham, he blessed Isaac, he blessed Jacob, he blessed all these guys. All of them. All of them. were rich, had wealth. Let let, let me tell you about Abraham in Genesis chapter 13 verse 2. Quickly. Genesis 13 verse 2. Before I go to the next point, let me show you about Abraham. Can we read it together? What did he say? And Abraham was what? In what? In silver and in what oh. <laughs> God doesn't lie, if Abraham was, poor, he would have also said it. After all, he told us that Abraham was barren. In fact, the Bible even said the deadness of Sarah's womb. But God doesn't mean words, it's not. Um, there's the way uh, Timendo used it the other day, it's not economical with the truth. I'm like, God, amen. <laughs> so that's it. He said he was what? Very rich. Okay, let's go to second reason. Second purpose for wealth. God uses prosperity to counter the oppression of the devil through poverty, sickness, misery, debts. Say it again. God uses prosperity, abundance, wealth, riches to counter the oppression of the devil through poverty. Hmm. Poverty is of the devil. For a man to wake up at the middle of the night, he doesn't know how he's going to take care of his family, that's the devil in action. A lot of people have died prematurely just because they did not have the means to access to medical health care. They couldn't afford it. People have died, lost families just because of lack. And you know them. Think about in your extended family circles. And maybe some of you even come from such families where a loved one died because he had an ailment. And the moment they took him to the hospital, when they mentioned the name of the sickness alone, they just quickly dispatched the man to the village to die. One of my mentors shared a story of an, I think, 82 or 86-year-old woman. I think I've shared that story here before. Who went to visit her child to do a MUGO or something in the U.S. And it was her birthday. And so on, on this day she was having a shower, and she slumped. The daughter was at home, so she went out to get something. as she was coming, she saw police ambulances, everybody in her company and she was worried was it was it was. and then she got there and saw that her mother, 86 years old, either 86 or 82, I'm not sure, but over 80, had slumped. And guess what? The ambulance came, picked the woman, took her to the hospital, and within minutes. Revived her, treated her. For like how many more years? Oh, six more years, the woman was alive. Ladies and gentlemen, what if it happened here? She would have gone to heaven that day. And then some of us would be busy looking for the, the witch from the village that killed her on her birthday. That's what worlds can do. The other day, my wife and I were watching CNN and we saw five past American presidents together from Jimmy Carter, Senior Bush, Junior Bush, uh, Bill Clinton, Obama. Five of them together. And she was like, Ah, this guy is still alive. I said, Yes. How was the Queen of England? What do you think has kept her alive? Anointing? Well, go to your village. You see 40 year, old, 40 year old guys. When you see them, they look 70. Why, sir? Poverty. They can't eat good food. They can't have access to Medicare. They can't live in good conditions. That's what poverty does. But guess what Jesus Christ said? The Bible said that Jesus Christ came that he may destroy the works of the devil. So that's why he said the thief comes not to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life. And that life should be spent in where? Abundance. Abundance. Hallelujah. And so poverty is a tool that the devil uses to put men under. Haven't you realized that the poorest nations of the earth are the places where God is not worshipped? Because the devil goes with poverty. If he meets a rich man, he makes him poor. Even when he manages to make people rich, it doesn't last. He blesses them with other miseries. Sickness that doctors cannot tell the source. So the man uses the money to be flying from one hospital to the other. He doesn't even have time to enjoy it. Of what use is wealth if you can't enjoy it? The Bible calls it vanity. And So poverty is a tool of the devil. But guess what God uses to counter it? Prosperity. That's why he says in 1 John 3:2, He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health as so prosperous. The prosperity of your soul was not an issue, it was settled. So he then wants your physical body to enjoy the prosperity that your soul has inherited. God never promised us poverty anywhere. Because poverty is a tool of the devil. But encountering that oppression, God gives us what? Prosperity. Hallelujah. Reason number three, the purpose of wealth, number three, is to provide material resources for kingdom expansion. Hallelujah. I said the other time that God does not spend money. And I said directly. In other words, God doesn't just bring money from his pocket and begin to spend. But God has a a strategy for increasing the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God will move forward and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means that there will be growth and expansion. Because everywhere God comes to, people find joy and gladness. That's why the message of Christianity is called the gospel. Gospel means good news. He said, God has anointed me with the Holy Ghost and with power. And, he's, and he began to say the things he wanted him to go and do. And he said to preach the gospel to the poor. Hallelujah. Because it's only in the gospel that the poor will realize that Jesus became poor, that he can become what? Rich. Only the gospel shows the poor that he can be linked to the blessing of Abraham. Only the gospel can tell the poor that it is not will for him to stay in poverty. Nothing else does. And so it's called good news. And so, some people have thought that the way for God to solve their problem is for God to rain money from heaven. I've been a Christian since 1987, and I've been in church all that long. I have not seen one Naira drop from the sky. I have been in several meetings. Think about the biggest of the biggest of the men of God in this world today. At one time or the other, they had visited Faith Arena. especially in Papa's time. And some of us were privileged to sit there and have them face-to-face in services. I have not heard one share a testimony of after prayers, he saw dollars coming from the sky. But the Bible says that all things are possible with God. Abi, he said, with God nothing shall be impossible. How come God got not through money from heaven? Why? In every country, there is only one legitimate body that has the authority to print money. In Nigeria, what is that body? Central bank. If God throws money from the sky for us to meet people's needs, build churches, expand the kingdom, take the gospel to other countries where it does not exist right now, if God, you think God doesn't you know that we need money to do those things? He does. But if He throws money from the sky, that's counterfeit money. Fake. It will be fake money. And God is not in the business of counterfeits. So guess what God does? Hi, I love this. God blesses him and lays a burden in his heart to release the money for the work. But, you know how God starts? You don't just wake up tomorrow and then you see one million naira in your bank account. And then there's a word in your heart to send it to Pastor Chris for that work that we want to do. You know how he does? He gives you 10,000 naira first, and he's watching. Let me see what he will do. Ah! 10,000. That's when you now realize that 1,000 naira tight is big. (laughs) You say, ah, 1,000. Then your friend, that your friend that, that is poor, he's poor. He's telling you, why should you give tithe to the pastor? That's how they say it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, how will you give it to the pastor? See, the pastors are all getting rich and their members are poor. Why will you give your tithe to the pastor? And then you take his wisdom, his poverty wisdom. You keep your 1,000. Meanwhile, God has prepared 1,000,000. But because you did not release that 1,000, 1 million stay. So the Bible says there is he that withholdeth more than is necessary. And pen tends to what? Penury. So the only way God can sustain the expansion of the kingdom of God on earth is to release resources to the children of God. So that's why when I see givers, I am excited. People that have learned not to hold back. Part of this series, I'm going to be talking on Titan the last day. New Testament titan. I know you come to church, you don't hear us talk about money. For many years, we don't. <laughs> if you like, pay your tithe. If you like. But once in a while, we are kind to teach you. Let me tell you what I found out. The most materially blessed people in this church are the biggest givers. If you know of any, think about it. Come and ask me how much this person gives for the work that we do. I will tell you. It's the principle. It's the principle. Give. and it to be given. So when you don't know the purpose of wealth, you see, that's why you, you pray and pray and pray and pray until you adjust your thinking and your mentality. One day I said to God, God, please, I, I want to learn how to give. You know, you know, I woke up one day and I was thinking about my life and my finances. I realized I don't get favors. Nobody ever calls me to say, take this 1000 even as I preach rich. I was worried. You know, you need to question some of these things. I was like, God, what's the problem? How come nobody even manages to tear me a check? In fact, somebody told me a check this morning and I told them I'm going to preach a heavy anointing. I said, God, why am I not getting blessings like this? All my income, official income. And God didn't waste time. I don't know. At times God takes time to answer, but that day He answered immediately. He said, "Because you give officially." I said, ah, "What do you mean by that?" <laughs> your tithe is—you get a hundred thousand, and you calculate to the last couple to pay your tithe. It's just one thousand for what? For ten thousand on the spot. I said, "Ah, is that it?" He said, "Yes." You calculate your offering for the whole year. And you don't ever go beyond that. That is official giving. You don't give as prompted by the Spirit. He says, therefore, you will only also get official returns. The things you work for are the things you will get. Nothing extra. I repented. I said, ah, oh, Lord. <laughs> so when I'm paying my tithe, I just take an amount. I don't think about. It must not be round figure. Even if it just went around on top. Make sure it's not a round figure. And things changed for me. Hallelujah. The purpose of wealth. God uses wealth to expand the kingdom of God. But that money will not drop from heaven. It has to come from you and I. Think about the things we want to do. Imagine the little resources that we have. The things that we are doing in this vicinity alone. Yesterday I told Brother Patrick. I said, I want us to put light. Not only on this street. On all the streets around Anifo Oje. Do you know we have to have since January. Do you know what we have not done? The resources have not come. Last week, we gave letters to how many people on scholarship? About nine of them or thereabouts. You think we don't want to do a hundred? You think we don't want to feed everybody around here and let them know that God is good? Because that's the only way they can tell that God is good. We want to everybody that has dropped out of school and send them back to school. Because we know that when their mind is educated, then they'll be free from the oppression of darkness. But that can only happen when God blesses his people that are willing to release it. He wants us to get to that level where we are not attached to money. Nothing is too big to give. When you get to that level, you will see that nothing is too big to come to you. But when you are so much in love with it, when you are so much in love with it, you keep it. You say he that keepeth his life will lose it. But he that loses it for the kingdom's sake shall find it. That's how money goes. I have not seen one good Christian who hates titan. I haven't seen one. We'll get to that. Hallelujah. So the purpose of wealth, number three, is to provide material resources for kingdom expansion. The message of the gospel needs to get to places. Today, God has blessed us with technology so much that our message can go to every part of the world without us being there. But it needs money to go there. Imagine when the media houses are controlled by Christians. You know, there's a level this church we get to, for instance. That nothing will happen in this community that they will not come and consult us first. It's not going to be by prayers alone. It's going to be by the manifestation of wealth. That's the easiest way. When you call, call the leaders or they call them, why do you think when we called them last time they came? If we we're one tiny church in a the community, there one corner that every Sunday, maybe only the pastor has a car. Every Sunday they will after service they will help him push the car for it to start. Can you call the community leaders and they will answer you? You see why I say it is in God's interest for you to be wealthy. Hallelujah. Let's go to reason number four. Time is going. I love this one. God uses wealth for the preservation and upliftment of societies. Very powerful. In Genesis chapter 45, verse 7, Joseph said something that is very instructive. Look at it. He said, and God sent me before you to do what? Preserve you a posterity in the earth. What was happening? Joseph was in prison, and the king of the Pharaoh of Egypt had a dream. He had a dream, and which was interpreted by Joseph to mean that there was going to be seven years of prosperity, seven years of abundant harvest. And after that, seven years of plenty, there will be another seven years of scarcity. And so, Joseph interpreted the dream. But he then went a little further. I'll tell you later on about Joseph. And he interpreted what should be done. He then gave an advice, a suggestion to the king and said, of all the harvests we are going to have this next seven years, let us save 20%. So they started building storage facilities in the whole of Egypt. You know, people were having more than they wanted to keep. So some brought it, some sold it at cheap price. You know, like you have, what's in season now? What's in season now? Okay, corn is in season now and it's selling at very low price. Not so low anyway. But, you know, when something is in surplus supply, the price would crash. So he was buying off all those things. Buying them off and storing them. Buying them off and storing them. Ladies and gentlemen, guess what? When seven years of scarcity came... The whole world was in scarcity. So much that the only place... In, Jacob was not in Egypt. He was in Canaan, far away country. But he heard news that in Egypt, there was food. Prosperity speaks. Prosperity speaks. He doesn't need to shout. Hallelujah. And so they went to go and buy food. Don't forget the story of Joseph. The brothers sold him into slavery and all of that. In fact, they thought he was dead. It was when he... revealed himself to them he made this statement you know so the plan of god at the time was to use the resources in egypt to preserve the earth as many places as they were where they heard that there was food in egypt they all came to egypt to buy food and that's how god preserved Abraham's family that's how god preserved them so god uses prosperity to preserve societies Just name it. Take away the best and the good things in this community and see what will happen. Before we came here, they were buying water around this area. Am I right? What did we do when we came? We sunk a borehole, supply water free. Now, water is free around here. Why? We are supplying water. How did we get the water? We spent money. Hello? If we didn't have the money to spend, it would still be a dream. An idea. There are communities that have been wiped away because of the absence of water. In fact, countries go to war for resources. Water. Access to water. Hallelujah. Water. 70% of your body is water. That's why when you are dehydrated, you're in trouble. Water. Cholera outbreak comes about when there is no source of potable water. And so, it's easy to wipe out communities, villages, just because of lack of water. That's what wealth does. Wealth preserves society. Keeps them together. Makes them prosperous. Makes them comfortable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says that you are the salt of the earth. And the salt is a preservative. And say, you are the light of the world. So you can see why it is important to God. I'm not saying to you. Why it is important to God for you to be wealthy. Because that's what you will use to preserve society. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five. God gives us wealth to perpetuate kingdom influence on earth. That is undeniable. To sustain influence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When God wants to give you influence amongst men, he lifts you up materially. Materially. Think about it. In your family, wherever you find yourself. If you are a man of means, they will listen to you. Even your elders will call you organic. If you are a man of means, when you speak, they will listen. In Genesis chapter 26, I saw a story of Isaac. Isaac became so wealthy that the king of Gerar. Came to meet him and said, you are not bigger than us. One man was bigger than the whole country. Because why? God blessed him. He was rich. Big time rich. And so whatever he said to them, do, was what they did. That's influence. And God has called us to influence the world. We can't influence our world with empty hands, brethren. You have to have the resources to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will end with this last one, number six, and it's a big one. Mm. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. God gives us wealth to make life enjoyable. See what it says here. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded. You know, we've, we've dealt with that, isn't it? Are you with me? Look at the scripture. Not trust in uncertain riches. Why? He says, but in the living God, who giveth us what? Rich. Richly. All things to enjoy. Ha, ha, ha. He gives us all things to enjoy. It's God's will. We can change that. It's the will of God. Let me show you Psalm 103, verse 5. Just to wrap it up. See what it says in Psalm 103. That's where the guy again, David, talking. It says, Who satisfies our mouth with what? Good things. So that thy youth is what? Renewed like the eagles. Poverty makes men add age. But when there is wealth, you'll be looking young. Why? You eat good food, have access to Medicare, sleep in it. You know where your sleep affects how your body looks? Eh? Where you sleep, the kind of bed, whether there is AC or you are you are soaked with sweat. It all affects it. Wealth. He said, He gives us all things. He said, Who satisfies your mouth? Good things. Good things. So that your youth is renewed. People will ask you, when are you going to get old? He said, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> your body will be shining. But guess what? We do not make the money or the wealth our pursuits. We do not allow covetousness. Covetousness is the spirit of trying to grab everything. Grab everything. Never satisfied with anything. And that's what he warns us against. And then to trust on, on certain riches. To, be, to make your confidence based on the fact that you have money. Because money is not money is just an expression of wealth. Money is not wealth itself. I'll talk more about that next week. Hallelujah. The concept of wealth. Money is just an expression of wealth. It's not wealth in itself. In fact, real money is not the paper. It's not that note that you're holding. That's not the real money. Real money is what? Value. Value. So, I am not poor because I don't have cash. Okay, Okay. let me even use this simple experiment. Assuming I have 2 million shares in Nestle. Another 2 million shares in mobile. 2 million houses around Lagos, in Parkview, in just name all the places. Banana Island, I have houses every day. Yes, when you went to my bank account, you didn't see anything. Does it make me poor? So the absence of money does not mean that you are poor. Even if you don't have those houses, you don't have those shares, and you still don't have money, it still does not make you poor. Because real money is value. And you don't see value with your eyes. Praise God. God giveth us all things to enjoy. It's God's will for us to work in splendor. It's God's will for us to have access to resources. It's God's will for us not to be in lack and in want. Because we need those resources to show that God is good. We need those resources to enjoy life. And it's the will of God. We need those resources to perpetuate the kingdom influence on earth. Except you have resources, the world will not listen to you. Nobody will listen. Even in your family, as they love you, they still will not listen. But when you have the means, imagine when you are paying the school fees of all your relatives and their children. When you call family meeting, will anybody be absent? <laughs> but if you are the one who goes up and down begging for food or school fees, period, you are going from brother to brother, say, ah, you know, the school has resumed again, my children, I need to send them to school. When you call them, even when you call them to wish them happy new year, they won't pick the call. You are calling them when they birthday to say happy birthday. They will just see your call. They will, they will ignore it. But they think that you are called again to beg. Hallelujah. Can you rise and give God thanks this morning that it is the will of God for us to dwell in prosperity. He said that you will spend your years in pleasure. In pleasure. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. Giving things for God is good. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, visit our website, www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real, influence your world.